welcome or welcome back to On the Shelf. I am so excited about today's episode. Like always, I have an author interview. Today, I'm going to be talking to Camilla Cole about her debut novel, So Let Them Burn. Uh, It has dragons, it's fantasy, and just downright fantastic. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to On the Shelf. I am so delighted to be talking to today's special guest. I have been so excited for the longest time, um, just in general. Um, This is the first recorded episode of 2024, and you might be like, how have you already had two episodes out? It's January, but uh, don't worry about it. This is a very special um, episode for me. I'm just so excited, and... Welcome to today's special guest, Camilla Cole, uh, here to talk about her debut novel, So Let Them Burn. Welcome to On the Shelf. I am so happy that you are here. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. I have literally been anticipating this all day and hoping that it goes well. So be nice to me, guys. I have anxiety. (laughs) Me too. I have also been hoping that this goes well. (laughs) High five for being nervous. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You would think it would get a little bit easier, like doing all of these interviews, but it never does. I'm always a little bit like, oh, no. (laughs) I know. And then there's the whole like cool down period afterward where you're like, here's everything that I said. I probably shouldn't have said or could have said better. Trust me, I absolutely get it. But you've been wonderful so far. As have you. Um, you. You know, just once again, welcome. Um. I'm so happy you're here. And <laughs> why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about your book and you, of course, but just um, introduce yourself, introduce your book, and then we will get into these questions. Okay. Um. So my name is Camilla Cole. I'm 33 years old. I am Jamaican American. I have a cat named Sora who I love so much that I've made her loving her part of my personality um and as for my book this is my debut young adult fantasy it's called so let them burn and it is I pitched it as a Jamaican inspired Joan of Arc with dragons um and it comes out at the time of recording in about 11 days yay Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, do I do I pitch it now or oh yes, go for it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so I'm very bad at this, so just let me. Um, it is about two sisters, one of which was chosen by the gods to free her island from a dragon riding empire, um, which she did, and now it's five years later, and her older sister has been bonded with an enemy dragon and the gods say that the only way to free her from that bond is to kill her um and she doesn't want to do that so from there let's just say we start there and it gets worse (laughs) drama intrigue i'm already i'm actively reading the book and i'm still like oh my god (laughs) i must know more i'm so sorry for the entire back half of the book i just want to put that up there (laughs) It's okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you for introducing us uh, to your book in this world. We have a couple questions later on that are going to dive a little bit deeper. Um, but always at the top of the show, I have some just kind of like icebreakers so I can get to know you a little bit better. So the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Um, and also just because they're kind of fun. Um <laughs> All right. So the first question I have, and this is one of those questions where it's just like the first thing you think of or however you interpret it, like that's kind of the answer you go with. And it's um, if you were a plate, what type of plate would you be? Oh, a plate. I think that I would be one of those novelty plates that you get from gift shops and like museums or whatever. And probably like one of the really, really weird ones. Like I would be one of those novelty plates you get from like a history museum that for some reason has Joan of Arc on the cover um, or like in the center and like some weird border. And you never use that plate, but it's your favorite plate. I think that's the I love that. Um, and I will say, just because I feel like I'm going to say it at some point, and the show, so I might as well say it now, I was very much 
uh kind of a Joan of Arc girly during my big <laughs> history phase so uh seeing that as part of the pitch line I was like oh my god I need to read this book <laughs> we are literally the same I went to Catholic school so we had to learn all That's of the saints and stuff and Joan she was my like she was my ride or die saint I was so obsessed with her very short very tragic story um so it's very surreal now that she's inspired my debut novel um I want to say it would make her proud but I don't think that she could read so yeah. <laughs> maybe the maybe, concept yeah. yeah or you know <laughs> she could have someone read the book to her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's oh. just she's great I love her yeah I love that I also went to Catholic school so we're like <laughs> high five oh. again <laughs> <sighs> all right um okay so before I we end up on a whole Joan of Arc tangent, <laughs> let's continue on. Um, Listen, anytime you want to have me back just to talk about Joan of Arc, I would do it. Oh, that would be so fun. Um, oh, all right. Uh, my other icebreaker question is: If you had to spend a year in a fictional world, which would it be, and why? Ooh. Um. If it's any fictional world, so my favorite video game is called Kingdom Hearts. And so I would choose the world of Kingdom Hearts mostly because the main character, whose name is Sora, you'll never guess where my cat's name came from, um, spends all his time jumping to different worlds that are based on Disney movies. So mm. he's gone to Aladdin's world, he's gone to Hercules, he's gone to Frozen and Tangled. So I think I would probably spend all my time just going into my favorite movies and making sure that my, my designated ships get together. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Very important. I'd be fairy godmothering these people. Oh, I completely respect that. Um, and I think that might be, I I mean, don't quote me on this, listeners. I could very much be wrong. But I think that might be the first time I've gotten uh, like a video game as an answer. And I uh, absolutely love that. Um, to be ready. I am a nerd. Like, I am that's okay. a nerd. <laughs> I am too. That's okay. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, cool. Um, I, uh, I a video game before this and I will be doing one after this so. oh I understand <laughs> <sighs> all right um so now continuing again with kind of you and your journey mm -hmm. um but now getting into kind of the writing side of things I'm wondering if you have a favorite or least favorite part of the writing process um okay so I get a lot of flack for this but my favorite part of the writing process is actually the first draft. Um, mm. I love to just, the first draft is supposed to be messy and it's like the worst that your book is ever going to be. And I love that I can just write whatever into a first draft and it is not my responsibility to make it make sense. It is not my responsibility to make sure everything comes across correctly. I just need to get words down. I love just yeah. getting words down. When you get to the revision side of it, all of a sudden, like all of those problems and plot holes and questions that you have, you have to be the one to fix those. So like, that's your problem now. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I just want to write. And whatever happens between that and the end of the book is like not. That's future Camilla's problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, that's actually, that's probably like the best way I've heard the first draft described because I also <laughs> hear all of the things of like, it's the worst and I hate it's it. so bad. But it literally is like, you're just going on an adventure. Like it's your time to go on the adventure and see what happens. And then the exactly. second draft, it's like, okay, now the characters can go do it. I had to do the trial run first. <laughs> I also feel like it's the point when the story is the most yours. Yeah. Almost, because when you're doing the second draft and stuff, suddenly you can't just think about like, I want this here for the vibes or I yeah. want this here because I think it's really cool. You have to think about the market and like your agent and your editor and readers understanding this. So I feel like the first draft, there's a freedom and like a sort of intimacy between you and your stories in the first draft that I really enjoy. I love that. Um all right. So continuing on, I'm wondering, like, what is the best writing advice that you've ever received? And if you could go back in time to when you were starting on your writing journey, what would you tell your younger self? Um, so I tried out this phrase 
a lot and it's really funny that I do given where I first heard it but um it's something the advice is something along the lines of like anything is unique if it's the first time you've written it because it's never been written by you before um I think that like something like that is super important because I've been a fantasy lover my whole life like witches and dragons fae and mermaids like I love it and there's just been so much content on those things on those legends mm -hmm. on that lore that like it can almost feel like well what's the point in my story then because why would yeah. somebody read so let them burn when they there's a new aragon book out for example or you know they could go read fourth wing and you can really self-reject um, if you start thinking in that way, um, which also leads into my <laughs> advice for younger writers, which is don't self-reject. Um, at the time that I was working on So Let Them Burn, I saw so many people saying that they had fantasy fatigue. I saw so many people saying that like dragons were boring or oversaturated or like they were so like, and I found that super discouraging, but this was the story that I wanted to tell. And it really, really, really meant a lot to me. So I kept working on it. I kept working on it. And then when I was finally ready to send it out, like dragons suddenly were having a resurgence you know, and mm -hmm. uh, people were like really reading fantasy again because they needed the escapism. And if I had self-rejected because at the time that I was writing, it seemed like there were too many of these stories, then I wouldn't be debuting now, like yeah. two years later. So don't self-reject and like don't, comparison is the thief of joy, yes. But like, I know that it seems that there are so many stories that have already done what you want to do, but better, but you haven't done it yet. And because it has your special touch on it, that's what makes it worth telling. Yeah. And it's like, you really don't know what's going to happen until you actually write it. Like you can't yeah. <laughs> be making these comparisons until like you have it in front of you. And then again, when you're doing that second draft or something, then you can be like, okay, here's things that I could change. Here's like whatever. But you know, you just need to write the draft. I feel like we're just going, uh, you know, yeah, um, and it's also, like, I, I try to be understanding of people because, like, I don't think a lot of people know how long publishing takes. Yeah. I finished this book in... I'm just going to move on because I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> but my point is, in 2020, I did not even have an agent. And mm -hmm. now it's 2023, and that book is coming out. Three years between when I started querying and when the, like and that's not even counting the time it took me to write the book when yeah. you're writing the book by the time you get an agent let alone a book deal publishing will look so different that you cannot base what you're doing on what's going on in publishing right now yeah and that's um that's something I've talked about with a couple other authors it's like the things that are coming out and the really th big things now like that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for things that are going to be on the shelves like three years from now. And okay. like, just like, it's all going to be different. And it's just so interesting, like how different everything is behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's crazy. And it's also one of those things where it's like, um, first and foremost, write the story that you want to tell and the <laughs> thing that it, like you want to enjoy your story, of course. Um, but also, like, don't be discouraged by the fact that it's like what you're interested in writing isn't what's on all the shelves and selling big. Like you were saying that it was like everyone had fantasy fatigue. And now, yep. look, everyone's reading about dragons. <laughs> Everybody's reading about dragons again. It was so it was honestly, if I could go back in time and tell that anxious, insecure, still working on this book version of myself, girl, just wait. <laughs> I'd probably have been much healthier than I was back then. It's like the dragons are coming. It'll be okay. <laughs> I know. And this, like, honestly, this has just worked out so well. Like, this is the perfect time for your book to be coming out. Uh, and I think yeah. that's like so beautiful. Um, several times I considered cutting the dragons because I was like, people hate dragons now. I'm glad that I didn't because they really don't hate dragons now. I know. Everyone's all about the dragons. <laughs> we love dragons. <laughs> We do love dragons. And I actually have a question about dragons later on. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, but first, uh, you know, on the topic of the book, uh, you touched upon this a little bit with your last question. But I was hoping 
I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more about like what was the journey of this from kind of when you did have that first idea um to now the book that by time of release it'll be out and about um but time of recording uh you know I still have my art copy um which I love um but you know it's like very soon it's going to be on bookshelves like how what was kind of that journey like um and Um, then yeah um so it was (laughs) So I've wanted to be published my entire life, it feels like, but I could never finish anything. And yeah. then it wasn't until like my late 20s, like 27 or so, that I finally made it to the end on any project. And then I was like, well, let me see if I can do that again. So So Let Them Burn is like my fourth or fifth book that I've completed, but it's the first book that I ever revised. That's mm. the rub. Yeah. <laughs> Once you figure out you can finish that book, then it's like, can you revise that book and make it ready for other people? So the idea for the story, like all the disparate elements that I had been ruminating on for a while came together after the 2018 Met Gala when Zendaya showed up for the heavily bodily themed as Joan of Arc. Yes. <laughs> and as we were talking about earlier, I've been a fan of the Joan of Arc legend my entire life. But when I saw her, I was like, Joan of Arc could be Black. She could be Black. And Mm -hmm. the more I thought about it, the more elements of Joan of Arc's story lined up with my experience as a Jamaican-American woman. You know, she was trying to free France from the British and, like, the British were the last people to colonize Jamaica. So I was Mm -hmm. like, what if there was a girl? And, you know, she lives in an island that's similar to Jamaica. and And it just kind of, like, spilled out from there so I wrote it and then I had to revise it and I revised this book 38 or so times over two years oh wow this was the big one this was the game changer you know like yeah. I used to like it would take me a full year to write like the, the three or four books that I had written before and then I would just set them aside and not mm-hmm. do anything with them this was like I want professionals to read this so it has to be in the best shape and the story just didn't feel right every single time I'd get back to the end I'd be like it's still not right it's still not right so yeah upwards of 38 times over two years and then I probably would have kept revising it if um a Twitter pitching contest called um pit mad hadn't happened so for those who don't know Twitter pitching contests were when you know you would have a hashtag for the contest and you would pitch your book in like enough um words for the tweet and then agents would go through the hashtag and like like tweets and if an agent liked your tweet you could send them you know your query and your book um and so it was a really great way for writers to kind of like build agent lists and gauge interest in their stories and also form community with other mm-hmm. people pitching so mine was pit mad in uh December of 2020 a friend encouraged me to just go for it and I pitched it and the tweet kind of like low-key blew up um like at the time I was averaging maybe 20 likes from people Mm -hmm. that I was friends with and that one got like almost 200 likes so I was like oh I've gone viral I was so young (laughs) and then I started querying and then the rejections poured in and then I cried uh I told my best friend I was going to quit writing and move to the mountains and then, like, seven months later, I had an age. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love that. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, thank you for sharing You're your welcome. journey. I'm always happy to talk about crying. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't really have anything to my name other than a couple, like, newspaper articles but it is something I would love to do so I always love um being able to hear directly from the authors it always means a lot um to me and I know there are listeners in the audience that are also kind of in the same space of like I would love to write but I don't really know what to do or like what's going on um I don't know and it's always just so cool because I don't think any any two authors I've ever talked to have had like the same journey and (laughs) It's always just very cool. I this is definitely the first mention of the Twitter pitch contest. So oh, that's good. um <laughs> there so used to be great. a lot more of them, but I think they've slowly gone away as people have migrated 
um yeah from Twitter but in their heyday it was just always really cool to like make friends who are like on the same journey as you because as you said no two publishing journeys are different which is both really good because you're like you you can't be like I'm falling behind because your milestones will look different than other people's milestones but it's also really bad because you can't be like how did you get your agent and then do that because yeah no, no two journeys are the same so it's just a matter of trying just keep trying yeah you know just kind of like the goal, I feel like kind of the end goal is technically the same, like a book on a shelf. But, you know, you just kind of got to be making like the baby steps to get yeah. yourself like up the mountain. Um, and I love that. Um, all right. So next question. Very similar. But this one <laughs> is about you. Um, and I I think I know your answer just based off of the conversation we've been having. But have you always wanted to be a writer? Is this something that's just kind of like happened um as you've gone through life um and is this something that you would like to potentially make like your full-time job in the future or you'll just kind of see where life takes you um I've always wanted to be a writer like I feel like from the moment I learned how to read I wanted to write stories and then specific to me like I'm a first generation immigrant from Jamaica so I was born in Jamaica and then my parents moved me over here when I was five and you know I uh was born in the 90s I won't tell you what yeah, no I'm kidding I already got, told you guys my age um, but I was born in the 90s when you know it was better but there was still a lot of hostility toward like you know minorities and um any kind of differences so I had my Jamaican accents and people would laugh at me when I would speak or if I brought like Jamaican food for lunch people would be like you know that smells what is that and I'd tell them and they'd be like ew so for me I remember that you know I'm an Aries so I will do a lot of things out of spite and at the time I was like if I cannot speak better than them yet then I will absolutely write better than them uh so I would read the dictionary I would be in the corner like stapling printing paper together and like writing and illustrating my own stories on that which evolved into notebooks which evolved into you know as laptops came out oh god I'm so old as laptops became a thing I'd put them in there and so it just feels like stories have always been such a big part of my life because they provided an escape and they made me feel understood during that time in my life where I was like nobody understands me I'm so alone because of stories you know I was never alone and I always just wanted to give that same feeling um to somebody else um I would not do this full-time though I want to be clear about that if I have all day to write I will not write if I know <laughs> that I work from nine to five and I have to be somewhere by seven, so I only have one hour to get this done, I will write so much. Um, I think I need like the using my brain for something else for most of the day and then writing later. So I don't think I would ever be a full-time writer. I respect it, but it's just, it's just not for me. I am. I, I completely understand that because I honestly, I feel like like I also do some of my best work when I have other stuff going on yeah. because it's the distraction from all the other stuff going exactly. on. Exactly. Like I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Let me go write. But if all, all day all I have to do is write, I'll be like, I don't want to write. Let me go do something else. So yeah. be yeah. like, I'll find something better for me to do. <laughs> I know what kind of person I am, and it is not a full-time writer. So Oh yeah. I completely <laughs> I completely respect that. Um and that's that's so valid. Um but yeah, uh, and thank you for sharing your personal journey. I mean, I know, obviously, like, I'm asking, like, personal questions, and I'm someone that you just met 30 minutes ago, so. <laughs> um, it's I, totally fine. I like, I mean, if anything that I say can help somebody else, like, make certain realizations about themselves and become more confident in themselves sooner than I did, then I'm happy to share that kind of stuff. Oh, I, I love that. Um, I really appreciate um your honesty and just all all the things um uh, that we've discussed and brought to light um only in the first part of the episode I know. <laughs> um uh, all right we got um, so deep so fast I know that's okay these are like my favorite <laughs> interviews <laughs> so thank you um all right so listeners because and I will say this every time zoom's very expensive so we are gonna take a short break and we will be right back 
All right, and we are back from our short break um, and ready to continue on with the questions. Um, I have another writing-related question, and I'm wondering kind of like, what was the research process for this like? Because this was this is a fantasy book, so it's not going to be, you know, like a historical where there's tons of very meticulous research you have to do. But there's still like a lot of work that goes into making a fantasy world and making sure that this world like makes sense to the reader as well as to you, of course. So like what was kind of that element of creating the world like? Um, I have to say it was like really difficult just because yeah. like, you know, it's Jamaican inspired, but as yeah. I said earlier, I moved to America when I was five. And of course I kept like going back to Jamaica. We would stay for the whole summer and like every other summer and such. Mm -hmm. But like that doesn't make me an expert. And I really, really wanted this to feel, you know, authentic to what I remember, but also authentic to the people who were raised there. So I ended up doing a lot of research by like calling family members, like fact checking. Um, mm -hmm. Story I like to tell is that um, at one point I had a line that made reference to there being a crocodile in the gully, which is like a, um, I don't even know how to, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain a gully. Guys, Google a gully in Jamaica, but like there being crocodiles down there because um, when I was a kid and I was at my grandma's house, the neighborhood kids told me that there was a crocodile in the gully. And I like was fact checking that I was like, Hey, like, can you tell me about this? And my dad was like, what are you talking about? And that is how I learned that that was something that they had told me like to mock me that I still believed was true to this day. Oh, like they, no. were just, <laughs> they were just trying to scare me. Aww. And I thought it was true up until this day. So stuff like that, I'm glad that didn't, that didn't make it to print. But like I had to do my research on my own culture, of course. Um, I also read a lot of books that were set in Jamaica and written by Jamaican authors. I like did a lot of Googling and all of that stuff because I really wanted, like it's not Jamaica. And that's made pretty clear as you read the book because they have like giant metal dragons and magic and they can talk mm -hmm. to their ancestors. Um, but like, I really wanted it people to be able to feel like what I feel when I'm walking down the streets in Jamaica and like how I feel about my culture. So most of my research went into making that feel as authentic as possible. Um, I did a lot of research about um, Afro-Caribbean religions because ancestor mm -hmm. worship is such a huge thing um, in a lot of African religions. And of course, like we brought that with us when we were brought to places like Jamaica um, to see the different takes on it. Um, I didn't use any because it's still like that's somebody's religion, but like it was informative to really see like what they believe about ancestors and like how the belief system in my book can like be analogous to that and then um I did a lot of research on Joan of Arc which technically I didn't have to do because this is not her story but if I have an excuse to read a book about Joan of Arc like I'm gonna take it so oh yeah uh <laughs> I love that um and it's just so cool because again obviously this you know, it's it's a fantasy book. So you do have kind of have that additional leeway and the world building and all that kind of stuff. But I, I do love that, that you're making this like, despite the fact it's a completely different world, you get that vibe, you get that like sense of home in this like very different world. Um, no, thank you. I love that. Um, and it, I don't know, like it, I feel like it definitely comes across and it's just like I don't know and because of that it's just so unique compared to like a lot of the other fantasy books out there that that are like completely different worlds but you can very much tell they're based kind of on medieval Europe and that kind of stuff um so it's just I don't know it's always interesting when someone like kind of changes um some of the norms of a genre um and I think you have done it very well in your book and it's very cool to read um oh, thank you and just you know and and dragons are awesome so <laughs> <laughs> yes they are say it loud yes. and say it proud yes they are and our next question is about <laughs> dragons <laughs> yay perfect segue perfect segue um all right so why dragons first of all <laughs> and like how did you decide like how you would implement them and we touched upon this before with it's like there's 
with these types of mythical creatures, there's so many like books about them and all these different elements across all different types of authors. What parts do you think that you saw in other texts or other um, works or things that you're like, okay, that's cool. I'm going to keep that. And which parts were you like, I, this is going to be a part of my dragon mythos. Like, sorry to those guys. My <laughs> dragons are better. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Um, just kind of creation of dragons and also I'll I'll throw in kind of like the magic and all that stuff as well for your magic system but mainly dragons <laughs> <laughs> mainly dragons got it um I love dragons from a very young age they're my second favorite magical creature to be totally honest with you um if anyone's curious my first favorite is mermaids um I was absolutely one of those kids who watched the little mermaid and would like wrap her legs up in a blanket and sing part of your world as if I like <laughs> as if I were a mermaid myself but like um I really loved reading books about dragons like I read Aragon I read um Patricia C. Reed's like Dancing with Dragons series you know if it had a dragon in it I was always like that's so cool um I don't know what it is about dragons I just think there's just something so cool about these like massive flying creatures and I also like really just love like dragon rider stories to be specific because like it's not your pet it's your partner but like mm -hmm. imagine soaring through the sky on this like massive winged creature and it can spew fire. like that's just so cool to me mm -hmm. um so I as everybody moved out of their dragon phases I really 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 did not like <laughs> I was always in it like I yeah and I'm still in it but like when it came to my book I knew I wanted to write a dragon writer story I knew that um and I, like, So Let Them Burn is one of the first books that I wrote where the main characters were Black because I, like, up until then when I was, like, reading and writing stuff, all my main characters were white because that was mm. what I saw in every yeah. book that I read in, in every, and it's, like, it's not that I wasn't trying to read widely, but, like, I was a kid. Most of the books yeah. that I read, like, I got from school and then I'd go to the library and they would give me, like, Artemis Fowl and stuff, but it was just, like, a lot of, like, the fantasy books that I like to read, the main characters were white. But like when I was writing So Let Them Burn, like Black Panther came out, The Hate You Give came out, um, Children of Blood and Bone came out, The Bells came out, like back-to-back -back Black media that did mm -hmm. really, really well. Because I mean, it's not that like I could not write Black characters, but it's just that I thought that that would not sell and I wanted to be published if I wanted to just write books like Wattpad is there AO3 has an original section if anybody didn't know um like I can write and like share it with people and it'd be fine but I wanted to specifically be published and yeah. I thought that it wouldn't be published so when it came to writing a dragon writer story oh my god the first scene I got to write with a black girl on the back of a dragon like I had tears in my eyes because I had wanted that so badly um so trying my, I kept the dragon writing stuff and then I always like the concept of like kind of like sorting um like into things like are you a like um what what god are you from Percy mm -hmm. Jackson like what god offspring so there are different kinds of dragons like five different breeds and they each like have a different color and have different characteristics so I love thinking of like who would bond with this dragon like what does this dragon look for um so I love doing stuff like that I kept stuff like that but for the most part um my dragons are just pretty Western. Like they are mm -hmm. fire breathing serpent creatures with four legs and two wings and they bond with a human. Um, and I put my own twist on it where they have to bond with two humans because their brains and souls are so huge that mm -hmm. putting that on one human would drive them crazy. So that added like a good way of relationship building. But yeah, it's just always been dragons for me. I was always going to write a dragon book. If it wasn't this one, it was going to be one of the other six. Oh, <laughs> oh! I I absolutely love that. Um, I you know I very much grew up in a time where there is like a much larger selection of diverse books to read from, uh, and it's still like a very small portion of what is being published. Yep. Um, but you know I don't know. Like it's I don't know. It's just very interesting. I feel like 
just seeing generationally like what how like what people were exposed to versus like what they're writing and just all that kind of thing I had a different point to make I don't know why I went on that tangent um but anyway <laughs> I I absolutely love when I talk to authors and kind of like part of the core of what they're saying is like I wrote the book that I wanted to read because mm -hmm. it always just makes me picture like a little kid finding their book and reading it and being like oh my god that's me and it just like I don't know I just love <laughs> I just love that um and I love that like your book has the potential to be that for somebody um because I don't know I've enjoyed it so much that I'm just oh, like I, I, so want, much. I want everyone to read it I want everyone to read about dragons um yeah I just but... really want to join that canon because obviously as you were saying like it could always be better in terms of the selection of books that we have but it's definitely better than I was as yeah. a kid and I just want to join that movement like the authors that inspired me like I want to be an author who inspires someone else to just keep this going and like fight for their stories because we've been told for so long that they like really don't matter and they won't sell and as that's starting to shift I'm just really really honored that I get to stand beside um the people who made sure I, I knew that my voices that my voice mattered so yeah oh I love that I feel like I'm gonna tear up <laughs> Oh no. I'm sorry, I'm such a sappy person. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> but that's okay. Um but yeah, anyway, readers, uh before I lose my mind, go read so let them burn. I swear to god. <laughs> um oh, all right. Um continuing on. <laughs> so this is as as we have mentioned previously. Um, well, this is not, as my question says, your first book. This is your first published book. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you have a lot of kind of your own personal backlog um, that's kind of helped you get to this point. I'm wondering, like, why did you specifically want to um, venture into YA and why fantasy? Um, I've always loved fantasy books. A lot of the books that they had us reading um, in school were contemporary books mm -hmm. um, or historical books. So I got kind of sick of those super fast, um, mm -hmm. which is funny because I love contemporary books now, but I guess it's different when you're like choosing, you know, to read yeah. them. Um, but contemporary was never quite for me because, you know, it was the reality of it all. I wanted an escape. Honestly, I was like the biggest emo kid. I was like, my life sucks. I'm going to go to my room and listen to Lincoln Park. And I like lived in the suburbs and went to Catholic school. And like my life was not sucking. Um, but yeah, like I, I wanted the escape of it all. I did not want to live in a world where like there wasn't like a magic world at the back of the wardrobe or like I wasn't going to fall through a portal into like a magical fantasy land. Like I just, I didn't want to read about somebody with my same problems. Mm -hmm. um like no matter how they handled it I was gonna handle it worse so like why am I reading this um so fantasy was always always for me um but as for the YA genre um for a lot of people it's when they enter like the middle grade years that they first start like having a decisive taste in book and mm -hmm. books and figuring like like who they are in their life in relation to their friends and family and stuff but for me that happened more when I was in high school because high school was the first time that I made a friend. <laughs> um, which is not to say that I did not have people that I hung out with before then. And certainly I'm sure those people considered me a friend, but I was so introverted. I was so in my own head. I like didn't share my interests with them. Like as far as middle grade me was concerned, like when I left school, everybody there shut down like robots and didn't exist again until I came back to school. So like mm -hmm. I was introverted, but I also was like super narcissistic. Um, but in high school, I met my best friend who's still my best friend now. And our very first conversation was about anime that we liked. And that was a big deal. Cause like now you can talk about anime all day and find it anywhere and everywhere. But at the time I was like, this is just another way that I am isolated and alone this is another way that I'm just a freak and she's just like oh my god I love that and I was like oh my gosh other people know about anime like again I was introverted but I was also super narcissistic <laughs> um so high school for me was when I became like myself 
because I made my first friend. I started opening up myself more and sharing my interests. And she became the first person to like read my stories. And like, so for me, high school was so formative in changing who I thought I was and helping me become the person that I was always meant to be. So I love to write for the teenage audience because I think teenagers are so smart. They are so smart. They're so passionate. They feel things on a level that I have forgotten how to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like the concept of like, I want to teach them that it's okay to be themselves. Because honestly, when I was a teenager, I would not have listened. Um, but I just want them to have that experience of like feeling seen for the first time. Like I did when I met my best friend, I want them to go into my books and have a good time and be like, Oh, these are kids like me. Like if you can like ride on a dragon back that I can take this math test. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just just really, really, really love writing for the teenage audience because I just think that like that was a formative time for me. And I just think the kids today are getting smarter and cooler than any of us will ever be. And just being able to be in conversation with them as they turn into the people that they're meant to be um, will always be really cool to me. I love that. (laughs) And that's like, Basically every single interview I do, I say I love that to basically like almost every single answer I get, but it is very genuine because I am just like, I love talking to authors. Um, I and I feel like I didn't warn you enough about how sappy I can get when I start talking about <laughs> stuff like that. I know. It's okay. <laughs> I I don't know. I really appreciate it. I, I love the sappiness. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 18. I'm a college student, all that kind of stuff. Like I've grown up with kind of what I feel like the really big boom of YA and Mm -hmm. it's just like I don't know it's just so important to me as a reader and I just I love talking especially to YA authors about it that was kind of an at the start of on the shelf and all that kind of stuff it was exclusively YA and then people were reaching out to me and I would be like okay I'll talk about whatever you want but um (laughs) Like my, I feel like my heart really is in YA and probably always will be because I, you know, like in high school, that was really the first time I made really good friends. And I was like, oh my God, I like know people like this is so weird. Um, <laughs> And just all that kind of stuff. So I can, I can very much relate to what you're saying. Um, And I, I don't know, I, I appreciate again, just kind of like wh- what you're doing with your books to kind of like give back um to the next generation and just I don't know I I I really love that I respect that thank Um, you yeah um all right so continuing on I have (laughs) just a few um kind of bookish questions um Mm -hmm. in this tail end of the show um the first of which and I love asking this question (laughs) (laughs) um do you think you and your protagonists would get along if you were to meet them and what advice would you give them as they're going to go through the journey of um so let them burn um I think that Theron might like me but I would not like her is what I think (laughs) but she's just she's just so a lot she's a lot she's a lot um Mm -hmm. I think Alara and I would get along a lot better um, because when it came to both of them I gave them both character flaws that I had when Mm -hmm. I was a kid which is like people pleasing and like narcissism and also like reckless behavior but also like responsible behavior and then I dialed them up to like 300 um I'm still a people pleaser though so that's why Mm -hmm. I think that Alara and I would get along a lot better and Farron doesn't feel much for most people so I don't think she would hate me um but I just think I would need I would need to leave the room (laughs) then um what was the second half of the question um kind of like what advice or like Uh, words of wisdom or something would you give them uh as they're gonna go through the journey of this book well Farron needs to stop lying um her arc over the course of the duology is just like basically being at war has given her some extreme ptsd and being like Mm -hmm. worshipped as a living saint has really given her this mentality where she has to do everything herself um and she has to be the one to do this and she can't ask for help so my hope over the course of the two books is for her to grow out of that so i would tell her to stop lying 
and ask for help. And then Alara, she also hates asking for help, but it's more of a low self-esteem kind of place where she's just like, I have to be the responsible one. That's my role. Because otherwise, who am I, you know, besides the footnote in my sister's story? So I would tell her that she does not have to figure out who she is right now just because her sister was assigned a personality when they were so young. Um, both lessons I wish I had figured out earlier in my life, but there you go. I, I don't know. I get that. I, <laughs> I understand <laughs> that. Um, I love asking the first half of that question because overall the answers are not 50-50, but it, it's <laughs> like the more I ask it, the more the closer it gets to 50-50 where it's like, it's just like, no, the character would hate me or it's like, eh, we would be fine. Or it's like, we would be best <laughs> friends. We would get along so well. Um, and it's just so entertaining. Because as you said, like, basically, like, I feel like every protagonist, they're going to have some attribute of the writer. Like, I feel like that's yeah. just going to happen when you're right, when you're in this person's head and you are literally dictating their actions. Like, there's always going to be some element of you in them. Um, and I, you know what, I'll take it. We <laughs> the, uh, get a, um, Farron would, you know, not hate you, but you would be no. like, eh. And yeah. <laughs> I respect that. Um, and we actually have a question and a couple questions that kind of touches upon the lying thing a little bit, not like directly just be like, why does she lie? But we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, we'll circle back to that. But yeah, I don't know. I get it. I respect it. <laughs> um, I love them both so much. I just, I, yeah. I, I, I would need time with fair enough. Oh, yeah. And like in actuality, like it's so easy to just be like, well, they're my character and I created them. Of course I would get along with them. And then just being like, oh, I gave them all of these negative attributes and now I, I have to deal with. I can't face those parts of myself right now. Like I can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um. So my next question, which I also love asking, this is like a new one I've just added in my last few interviews. But what is something that for you, you just knew had to be included? Um, and obviously, since this is a fantasy book, like not all of the um, potential answers are going to be like a one for one match. But what's something that for you, you knew just had to be included, like a certain place, an event, a meal, but just something that's like deeply meaningful for you as the author to be a part of the overall book experience um, for readers? Um, for me, it was the food. And like, maybe that was my spike coming back um, from when my lunches were looked down on when I was a kid. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to write a paragraph that will make you so hungry. Um, but actually, the first scene that I ever wrote for the book was when Farron is at the um, summit and mm -hmm. she is trying not to think about the summit. So she like starts smelling all the food and like gives a list of all the food that's going on behind her, like as a distraction from what's going on inside. That was one of the first scenes that I ever wrote. It used to be the opening scene of the book before I was like, I need mm. to ground people in the world a bit more yeah. before I throw them into parents' anxiety. Um, so I think for me, it's the food because again, in a lot of Afro-Caribbean cultures, food is so important. It is a huge part of our culture. It is a love language to prepare food or eat food made for you. Like we always make sure we have food ready for guests mm -hmm. when they come over to our place. So I think like there was never a chance I was going to write this book without like overly descriptive food like mm -hmm. things because I've lost my accent. I haven't been to Jamaica like in a while. Like I can feel like very far apart from my culture but I'll go home and like my mom will make me like some oxtail or she'll make me um like flash out and then all of a sudden uh, it's like I never left so yeah for me it was the food oh that's so sweet <laughs> oh and I I definitely understand <laughs> I understand the hunger and that that came across very well definitely <laughs> made me hungry so <laughs> I appreciate it um all right so now to the question that I kind of mentioned before about Farron um but and it might not seem like a question but there is a point behind it um the um and I hope you don't mind that I share the opening line if that is okay because it's part of the question it's fine I'm sure the opening okay. line plenty of times <laughs> 
Okay, awesome. Um, so the opening line, Fair and Vincent has been a liar for longer than she had been a saint, is so good, first of all. It's so good. <laughs> I gasped. I went, oh my God. <laughs> um, and this is going to be like your first line that it's like when people are like, oh yeah, Camilla Cole, all her books, like this is the first line she had in print. Like that is crazy. Uh, I'm wondering like, how do you kind of approach your opening line? Because as you said, that was not kind of how the book was supposed to start. You had to include this um, later to kind of ground the audience in the world. Like I, kind of, how did you approach that? Do you kind of just like dive in with what we were saying with the first draft where you kind of just like write and see where it takes you or when you're coming around and starting off, do you, are you kind of more like methodical or that kind of thing? Um, so I am what I will call like an idea factory. I have mm -hmm. so many ideas for stories all the time. Some of them aren't fully baked. Some of them like I can write a whole pitch for, but I cannot write any book unless I know how it's going to start. Mm -hmm. um, so usually I'll get an idea. And if I have enough of the idea to like write the pitch, I'll like open a document and put the pitch in there. And then I'll like write the first couple of lines so that when I get to the idea, like, I won't have to be sitting there stuck trying to figure out where to start. Um, so for So Let Them Burn, um, I actually was telling my friend about this the other day, but it's gone through like six different opening lines. Mm -hmm. um, I revised this book so many times, as yeah. I said, um, but it was during the final revision. So 2020 that like I was in the shower where I do all my best thinking mm -hmm. and like for some reason the line like Farron has been a liar longer than she's been a saint just popped into my head and I was like oh oh my god that's it that's fire that's fire and I'm like <laughs> I'm like I gotta finish my shower so I'm like repeating the line in my head over and over again until I can go type it into the book and from there I was like oh yes this is what it was meant to be. So mm -hmm. first lines are very hard and I never usually stick with them. Every time I go in and revise, I might change um, the first line. But like, if I don't have that opening scene, that opening image, like I physically cannot write this book. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, fa <laughs> I'm fascinated about like the other incarnations, but this, uh, but I don't know like this I feel like is kind of the perfect thing to start off with for this story like it's such a good hook uh, and I absolutely loved it and this is one of those questions where I was like I know I have to ask about this if anything <laughs> just so I can say the opening line because it's just so enticing. <laughs> I think that like one of the opening lines I know that it was like Baron had been told that the end that the end of the war would mean an end to her suffering or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like it turned out that like her current suffering was her being forced to wear that outfit to the gala. Like, so she was just being super dramatic about it. Um, so that's one of the opening lines that I had to change because I was like, Yeah, she's a brat, but let's not introduce that that quickly. Yeah. Oh I, <laughs> I respect that. Um all right, so we only have a couple more um, questions before I uh, I let you go on with the rest of your day. Get back I'm to the- I'm sorry for how much time I've been taking up. Oh my God, totally fine. I, I'm on break from school. I have nothing going on. <laughs> um, I love this for you. I've literally, I've just been sitting around the house being like, I have an interview today. I have to, <laughs> I have to talk about a book today. Um, but- Yes. So since again, as of time of recording, your book's not out, but when this is going to be released, it'll be fresh and out in the world. I'm wondering what are some like kind of last remarks you want to leave some prospective readers with to know about your story and just kind of some last words to leave um, listeners with? Um, my last words on this book is that I worked really really hard on it. Um, I'm really, really proud of how it's shaped up. Um, I love the cover. I love the story. I just hope that if you do decide to check out my book for whatever reason that you feel the love that I infused into these pages and that most of all, you feel inspired in some way after you read it because I, I just know that and I've always felt that books have this 
transformative power, this way of making us feel less alone. And I hope that this book comes to you at the best time in your life so that you can feel that, you know, someone sees you, someone understands you, someone wants to entertain you, um, and someone just appreciates that you are here and that you exist and that you bought her book and that someone is me. Hmm. Thank, thank you so much for that. Um, I really appreciate that. And I can't believe that I literally went this entire interview without mentioning the cover because this cover is absolutely incredible. Oh my um, God, I love it so much. It's so good. <laughs> and at least I've said it now. It's such a good cover. Listeners, go Google it. Look at the cover right now and admire it because it's so, so, so good. And I the feel artist? like- the artist is named Taj Francis, and he is a Jamaican artist, and you should check him out because he also did the covers for um, Blood Scion by Deborah Blay and for Wings of Ebony by JL. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't yeah. even know that. That's so cool. <laughs> Glad I could boost his work because he's just such a nice guy. Oh, of course. I, I love that. Um. All right. Um, so we we have the 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 countdown clock of doom. So we're gonna get these last two questions in. Um, because the name of our show is on the shelf. Uh, at the end of the show, I always like to ask authors, "What's on your shelf? What are you reading these days?" Um, I just finished reading *Immortal Dark* by um Tigis Girma, which is a vampire dark academia, uh, a black vampire dark academia. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. Um, I've read The Manor of Dreams by Christina Lee, which is like an adult, the haunting of Bly Manor meets like a twisted secret garden, um, and it's sapphic. And then um, in, in order for something you can read now, I really loved um, Blood Justice by Terry J. Benton Walker, and I loved Begin Again by Emma Lord. Um, and yeah, so basically I'm reading a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I always have, like, a giant pile of things that I'm reading at the same time. Like, uh, my story gruff will be like, Honora's reading 18 things, and I'll have to explain to my friends, like, it's not that serious. No, it's just a little bit at a time, and you jump around, and eventually you finish something. You know, it'll it'll happen when it happens, and yeah. it'll be the right time. Exactly. Oh, but, yeah. Um. So, to end the show off, um, the little bit of the spiel I have is, this is now our shop small corner, um, because way back when, in 2020, um, <laughs> On the Shelf used to be directly affiliated with our local indie bookstore in North Carolina, Coil Ridge Books. And despite our kind of parting of ways, I still love to shout them out whenever I can. And whenever I have an author on, I like to give them a little platform at the end of the show for where people can find you and support you, first of all, as well as an indie bookstore that listeners should check out, someplace near and dear to your heart, or just a bookstore that you really like and would like to kind of throw some attention at (laughs) (laughs) well first of all um i am on twitter instagram blue sky and threads as word siren um remember i told you i love mermaids so it's word siren one word you can find me at my website which is camilla-cole.com um as for my favorite indie i'm located in new jersey um there is a word bookstore in jersey city that i absolutely adore they're so kind they have so many options and you can pre-order my book from another indie bookstore books of wonder on 17th street in new york city and you will get an exclusive gold foil print of baron and alara and Alara's Dragon Zephira. How exciting. And all of those <laughs> links are going to be down in the show notes below, as well as um, my kind of go-to local indies that I, I always like to support, um, Quail Ridge in, in North Carolina and Odyssey Books in Massachusetts, which is my my school bookstore. So I, I really like to shout them out uh, so I can stay on good terms. Um, but just thank you so, so much, Camilla, um, for agreeing to talk to me as I said I've been so excited about this for the longest time I've been so excited about your book for the longest time and I am just so excited that it's going to be out in the world soon and that people are going to be able to read it and I can actually like talk to people about it (laughs) Um, well that's always the worst thing when it's like you get an art copy and you need to like talk to someone about it but no one else has read this book because it's not coming out for like months 
I know. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is one of the most fun interviews that I've ever done. I just think that this was just a really great conversation. So thank you for letting me on your amazing podcast. Thank you. Um, Have a great rest of your day, Camilla. I appreciate you greatly. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. If you did enjoy, I hope maybe you'll take a moment or two of your time to rate us on whatever podcasting platform you listen on so even more people can find on the shelf and maybe find their new favorite book. As mentioned, all the information for where you can find Camilla as well as for where you can uh, purchase So Let Them Burn is going to be down in the show notes below. A couple different bookstores, a couple of links, and as well as links for where you can stay up to date with all things on the shelf. I will be back next week with another author interview. And until then, I'm Honora Quinn, and this is On the Shelf.